You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. To end this series today, our sermon title is also our sermon outline. I, I don't think, I'm not sure that's ever happened before. I really, I'm not, I can't remember a time that's ever happened, but our sermon title is actually our sermon outline as well. And I'm encouraged by this, and I pray you will be too. So here it is, sermon title and outline. The promise of power and the power of promise. The promise of power and the power of promise. So just by way of recap, maybe you're with us for the first time within this series, but also just those of us remembering where we've been. In Haggai chapter 1, the Lord breaks into the hearts of his people and he says, listen, enough with the fancy houses already. Enough with all your self-luxury and self-indulgence. How come your houses are all fixed up with such fanciness? My, my house lies in ruins. He's like, what's up with that? He may not say it exactly like that, but Haggai's raised up, and Haggai's pretty fired up, and he's giving a stern kind of rebuke to the people there. But the point is, he's like, listen, listen, listen. If you're my people, you can't spend all your time and money on yourself. That doesn't make any sense. If you're really people of the Lord's house and the temple, people of his kingdom, the priority of your life should be then seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And that's our application from Haggai chapter 1. You can't spend all your time and money on yourself. I mean, that, 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 that's just inconsistent with a proper biblical understanding of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And you think, well, the Old Testament and building the temple, and how about us right now? Well, us in the New Covenant, we're seeking to build a kingdom, being part of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. But furthermore, I love the unity of the Bible. It's so awesome. First Peter 2, First Peter 2, but you are living stones, chosen and precious in the sight of God, and you are being built into a spiritual house. Isn't that awesome? You're alive in Christ. You are a stone that's alive. You are a living stone, and put together, we're being made up into the spiritual house of God because we're chosen and precious in him. Listen, if you're a living stone, your life should prove that you are a living stone. Your life should look like that you are part of the house that God is building. You can't just sit there yawning all the time and building your own little palaces. No, 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 no. It must be seen from our lives that we are seeking first his kingdom. In Haggai chapter 2, the people start to rebuild. They're obedient, but they become discouraged. The temple they're rebuilding is not nearly as big as the original. The opposition comes in, and, they, and they're tempted to give up. They're like, what's the point? Why should we bother? And the Lord steps in in Haggai chapter 2, and he says through Haggai, he says, my people, listen, my spirit is with you. I'm 100% sovereign. All the money, all the money is mine, he says. And I promise you, God says, I promise you, your best days are to come. What's our application from Haggai chapter 2 in that text? Here's our application. In Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. He's in us. Our God is 100% sovereign. Our God owns everything across this earth and the universe and in Jesus Christ. Our best days are ahead of us, 100% guaranteed. So put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke it, all right? That's the key we're learning right now. The truth that we have the promises in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the next portion of Haggai chapter 2, God addresses the heart of his people. And he comes in with a stern word. He said, listen, if your hearts are polluted, everything's polluted. If your hearts are polluted, your worship is polluted. Your service is polluted. Even your farming your work, your agricultural work is polluted, God says. And so the command to repent and cleanse yourself that you might be used to see the powerful blessing of the Lord. What's our application? Our application for that passage is profound and powerful. 
We must take repentance so seriously. I mean, even last weekend, man, the Lord showed up so powerfully among us. And as I was preaching this, I was so personally broken because as you're going through and you sense, you sense God's, God's presence and the fear of the Lord and his holiness even surrounding us. And as I'm preaching, I'm broken because I'm like, wow, God, this is evidently so important to you. The church of purity is so close to your heart. The lives going for holiness is so serious to you, God. It breaks me as I'm preaching it last weekend to sense the Lord saying, I am in this. I am in this. I am so much about this that my church would not be arrogant, that my church would not be filled with sin, that my church would not sit there and walk around and pray, but humble themselves and pray and pursue brokenness and love me with all they have for all I've done for them. It's an amazing moment of waking up to see again the fresh, fresh anointing of the Lord upon his church and where he places that anointing on a church that is broken and contrite and trembling at his word. God loves holiness. And this now takes us to our final passage today. Hey guys, final oracle or sermon. And he provides a massive message of tremendous encouragement. And what a great passage we end our year on as well. Again, the promise of power and the power of promise. Some of you have questions. Let's get those answered by God's word. Haggai chapter 2, verse 20. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. So that's the same day as verse 10, December 18th, 520 BC. So God speaks to Haggai two sermons in one day. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying... I love this. I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm about to overthrow the throne of the kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. And I'm going to overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders, they shall go down. Everyone by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shatil, declares the Lord. And I will make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's get started then. Without further delay, point number one, as we know already, but let's write it down or be aware of it even more. Here we see the promise of power. The promise of power, go Lord. I had to put that in. Go Lord. Go Lord. Um, every weekend, almost every weekend when I'm getting ready to come to church on Saturday, whatever family members are around the house, I go up to them and I say, hey, Bliss, our youngest, go Lord. She's like, go Lord, Dad. Hey, Sadie, go Lord. Go Lord. Hey, Kale, go Lord. Hey, sweet Jilly, go Lord. And they all say, go Lord. Why? Why? Because here's what dad knows and here's what the family knows. Unless the Lord shows up, nothing's going to happen. Unless it's God's power, it's all going to be vain. Unless the Lord decides to move, it's futile. We need the Lord to show up in his power. And this was the same in Haggai's day as well. So notice what's happening in verses 20 to 22. Notice it's a call for faith. And why is it a call for faith? Where there's faith, there's hope. Loved ones, you got to hear this right now, okay? Some of you have walked in discouraged. It happens. It happens to me too. Some of you are really struggling. Some of you just can't really see the fight for joy happening right now. Listen to that. The more we saturate our lives with the promises of God, the more we fill our minds with the truth of the perfect, perfectly kept promises, the more we saturate our lives with the promises of God, the more faith and hope we have, the more reason we will carry on for the greatest purpose ever. So a way to illustrate this is summertime. So just imagine a steak marinating. Mmm, yeah, sounds good. And the longer a steak marinates, the more flavor and more glorious it becomes once eaten, humanly speaking. 
the more we marinate ourselves in the hope and the promises of the Lord, despite a world of perpetual disappointment and heartache, as we dwell on the promises of God and let them seep into our souls, the more and more we taste and see that the Lord is good, the more and more we will have glad songs of salvation, the more and more we will look up and understand He is worthy and He is awesome and He is so beautiful in our eyes. This is why we must dwell on the powerful promises of the Lord that he gives to us. Again, this is the purpose of Haggai 2. To loved ones, man, soak up the certainty today. Soak up the certainty. God's not fooling around. He's making promises, and it's a promise of power we see here today. So notice the language in our verses of God's power. Notice God says, I will shake. I will overthrow. I will destroy. I will overthrow again. My personal favorite, verse 22 Regarding the enemies of God, they're going down, man. You're going down, the text says right there. Notice the totality of God's power. This isn't God like, well, I hope to shake them up a little bit if I can muster up enough strength. No, no, no. This is absolutely certain and decisive. The certainty of God's authority, church. Listen, the certainty of God's supremacy, hear that. Notice, too, all throughout this passage, look carefully, the Lord is active. His people are passive. The Lord is the active agent. His people are called to wait and to watch. The Lord is the warrior. As the Bible often says, I will fight for you. You only have to be silent and wait and watch the incredible glory of the Lord display his perfect power and justice. The Lord is promising power will come. In my personal readings in recent days and weeks, I've been in Revelation, among other places. And in Revelation 19, the incredible chapter of the return. You want to talk about a promise of power? Promise of power. Revelation 19, it says that Jesus Christ will come riding on a white horse. The purity, the majesty, the perfection of our Savior Jesus. The Bible says he will come, he will judge and make war. This isn't your fluffy teddy bear Jesus that some people want to talk about all the time, man. Like he is coming and he's going to judge and he's going to make war. The Bible says he has eyes like a flame of fire. He is a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he's called is the word of God. He comes with the armies of heaven also riding on horses and from his mouth comes a sharp sword. He is coming to strike the nations, the text says, to rule them with a rod and iron and to tread them with the fury of his wrath. This is the promise of the power. And church, listen, church, He's coming. Like one day soon this is going to happen. One day soon this is going to happen. Jesus Christ coming in his glory. And that's why also in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, speaks of Christ and another incredible passage of Christ's glory. It says when people see him coming who do not belong to him, they will wail at his account. They will mourn over his coming because at that moment they will realize he is the king of kings and lord of lords and I have rejected him. I have not placed my faith in him. I have hated him. I'm dead. I weep at his sight because the moment he returns, that means I am toast because I have opposed him with my life. The promise of power, man. It's an incredible, glorious promise of power. And I want you to see the allusions made in our text to different biblical events, like the conquering of Pharaoh in Egypt is referred to here. The overthrow of chariots and their riders, the text says. That reminds us of what he did with the Egyptians. The parting of the Red Sea. Remember, remember, we always talk about the parting of the Red Sea. But that Red Sea came back in, man. 
came by in by the voice of God. He does whatever he wants. He parted it miraculously, and he brought it back in. He absolutely decimated the Egyptians in one of the greatest displays of power the world has ever seen. The same power that completely decimated Pharaoh and his army, this power will once again, listen, this once again will come and shake the nations. It will shake the nations. Our Lord is going to do that. He promises this power is coming. Oh, church, oh, church, so often we are so weak, so frail, so afraid, so intimidated by the world around us. And yet what we hear in Haggai and what we see in the rest of Scripture too, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, defeating sin, death, and Satan, the same power that again opened the Red Sea and caused it to come back upon all the people, the same power that displays God's sovereignty across this earth, this supremely powerful God will soon return. He will soon return in perfect completion, in full judgment and justice. This power is coming. And that's why Jesus said, who's this for right now? That's why Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. In John chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ is the light of glory. Jesus Christ is absolutely awesome. Again, notice what's in our text. Notice the the awesome power of God. Breathe it in, loved ones. Breathe it in. He says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Who else can say that? Who else can say that? What can we shake? We can shake a salt shaker. That's all we can really shake. And God says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Notice he says, I will overthrow the thrones of the kingdoms. I will overthrow the thrones, the mightiest leaders all throughout history, the mightiest, most powerful leaders of our day. They are but puppets in the hand of God. I like doing often a little puppet routine with our girls as they go to bed at night. Don't make fun of me. And there I am and just a little puppet and just going through and just whatever I want the puppet to do, it does. Whatever I want the puppet to say, it does. Whatever I want the puppet to make try. The girls love it, by the way. They love it. They're always trying to get me to do this. Whatever, I'm in complete control of the puppet. God, God is like that with every ruler, every kingdom, every throne upon this earth. Man, he causes them to rise. He causes them to fall. He is sovereign over every single bit of it. He says, I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms. All the display of the strength of the world's superpowers, you add it up over history. All the power of all the world's superpowers, you, you add it all up and you put it against God. It's like God flicking an ant off his arm. See ya. It's like a rubber dinghy coming up against a tsunami. It's like an ice cube trying to withstand the heat of the sun. It's just not going to happen, man. Our God is so powerful. Our God is so glorious. Our God is so majestic. Our God is so wise. Our God is so sovereign. Our God is so awesome. So we're seeing this right now. In Haggai 2, he's like, hey, people, people, I'm promising power. So wait, wait, I just heard something. I just heard something. Wait, oh, the phone's ringing. The phone's ringing. It's for you. It's wisdom. Wisdom's calling. Wisdom said, pick it up, man, pick it up, man. Because wisdom, Holy Spirit wants to say something to you right now. Holy Spirit is wisdom. It's like, listen, listen, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Here's what he's putting down. Psalm 20, right here, take a look. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God because they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. See what's happening here? Wisdom says, hey, man, are you trusting in chariots and horses? If you are, you're dumb. My paraphrase, okay? Are you trusting in your car? Are you trusting in your paycheck? Are you trusting in your kids' sporting teams? Are you trusting in your obsession with food? Are you trusting in some kind of friendship more than the Lord? Are you trusting in some vacation this summer? Are you trusting the things that, if you're trusting the things of this world, you and I then together are dumb. We're dumb. Because the Lord says you're trusting in that which will not last. 
but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Again, the phone, the phone's for us. The phone's for you and me. And wisdom's like, are, are, are you getting it? If you trust in the world, it's not, not a good plan. It's not going to go great. But you trust in the Lord. Wow, wow, you can't lose. Because the Lord is coming with his power. And the Lord is the one of eternal things. Trust in the Lord and his glory. Look at the end of verse 22. And the horses shall go down, everyone by the sword of his brother. Probably right there an allusion to Gideon. Remember Gideon? Blow the trumpets, break the jars. And all of a sudden the enemies, they just, they just unfold on each other and kill each other. And this is what he's saying right here. He's like, he's like, God is so sovereign. So if you're like me sometimes, you look around the world and you're like, what is going on? And you can look in fear or you can look in different times and maybe feel faith. But listen, our world right now is insane. Like, there's no logic. It's gone. Because, again, when you remove the fear of God, you're left with yourself. You're left with yourself, man. Wisdom just goes. But here's what. In a moment. If you're, if you're fearful and you're walking in the world and you're, oh, no, it's going to happen. God, in a moment, he just does this. And the very logic of our world implodes upon itself and begins to destroy each other. That's already happening in our midst. It cannot survive because there's no foundation to it. There's no real life. There's no real wisdom. There's no Christ in it. So I'm telling you, this is a prophecy in the end, in the end, because God is sovereign. He's the king. He will cause, again, the idiocy of our world and Satan's schemes to implode upon one another and even destroy each other. And that honestly gives us just incredible encouragement at the power and the reign and the wisdom and the sovereignty of our God. To reject the ways of Christ is to reject the ways of life. But the Lord, listen, the Lord has sent his promise of power. We sang even today, even today, throwback song, Ancient of Days, so good. Every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Love one, love one, love one, love one. Again, re- receive the promise of power. Go Lord, amen, church? Go Lord, man. It's, it's going to happen. That takes us to point number two. The power of promise, I wrote down, yes, Lord. The power of promise, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. The promises you are making to us. Look at verse 23 now. On that day, that is most likely a reference to the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the day of wrath. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shaltiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, now, notice this in the text. Notice throughout this oracle or this sermon, it's addressed to Zerubbabel throughout. But notice that Zerubbabel is called in verse 21, the governor of Judah. Now, notice in verse 23, he is called something different. He is called the son of Shatil. Now, why is that significant? Here's why. Because the son of Shatil signifies his Davidic ancestry. Now we see the multiple layers of fulfillment. This is referring to Zerubbabel comes after the line of David. And we know the Messiah comes from the line of David as well. There's a promise being made to Zerubbabel. But there's a greater promise being made and fulfillment to one who will come after him. We look at the phrase in our verse 23 too. Signet ring. I will make you like a signet ring. What's that all about? The signet ring was an incredible sign of royal authority, uh, comparable to a crown, or comparable to um, a scepter, let's say. The possessor of the signet ring 
had the power and the authority of the king himself. But once again, the fulfillment of this position could not end with Zerubbabel. It must go on. It must be ultimately fulfilled in someone else. And the only one who could ultimately fulfill this prophecy is the one and only beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who holds the keys to death and Hades, the Alpha and the Omega, the living water, the bread of life, the great I am, the true vine, the door. There's only one who is like that, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is why then this phrase is so important, because in both genealogies that prove that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, in Matthew 1 and Luke 3, this phrase is precisely mentioned. Look at the example of Matthew 1 here. And after the deportation of, to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shatil, and Shatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Here we are. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, and then we skip a bit, and, says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Here we go. All of history right here forms, and whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the very son of God. That's why, that's why this is mentioned right here, because ultimately it points to the fulfillment that will come through Jesus Christ the Lord. There is no one like him. All the, isn't it so true? All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Amen? All the promises. Hey, church, love him today. Oh, love him today. Wake, wake up from your sleepiness. Love Jesus Christ. Press into him today. Do not wait. He is so worthy. There is none like him. I love that this book ends and this series ends and our year ends with the prophecy of Christ. Perfectly fulfilled in him. Just think, based on verse 23, I want you to notice three titles or three names that ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Look at Christ is the ultimate. You see my servant in verse 23. Servant. The servant of the Lord in the book of Isaiah is the Messiah sent to do the will of God. Notice Christ is the royal sovereign of God who carries the signet ring. Jesus holds all authority of heaven and earth. Notice he says, and you are my chosen one. The supreme chosen one, again in verse 23, is the Son of God. Chosen to glorify his name. So just think of it this way. Uh, Zerubbabel called to rebuild the temple. That's, that's amazing. But Jesus is the temple. Just think, we are called to serve the Lord. That's awesome. But Jesus Christ is the Lord. Just think, we are chosen to be children of God. Astounding. But only because Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God can we be chosen by God. Again, choose to praise his name right now where you are. Church, praise him. I'm not just honestly stop. Praise him. Thank him. Adore him. Love him. Look up and see him. Forget about your circumstances. Forget about the things around you. Forget about all your trinkets. Cast away your apathy. Smash your idols. Smash your idols for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ. Throw them down. Break them. Destroy them. Obliterate them for the sake and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is worthy like our Lord? Who is awesome like our God? Who can come close like Jesus Christ the Lord? Who can you say has done more for you like this in any way? No one else compares. No one else even is close. Jesus Christ the Lord, worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise. The power of the promise is found in Christ. I was writing this sermon this week, and I got to this point of the message, and I'm like, Lord, you know, like, here we are, and just, hey, God, I'm so thankful and excited, and God's working in my own heart. And I, where do you want me to go from here? I just really sincere to stopping and praying and just going to wait on the Lord. And just saying, God, we can go in many different directions at this point, but just, Holy Spirit, would you lead? Holy Spirit, I just want to hear from you. Just want, I took minutes, it took minutes and minutes, went by. Eventually, sitting there, Lord, I just, I just want to glorify you. I just want to glorify you. 
just want you to be honored. It's, it's your will. And Father, I know your will is to glorify your son. Holy Spirit, I know. I know your main ministry is to glorify Jesus Christ. I just want Jesus to be glorified. So would you help me? Would you help me lead the people to bring you glory? And praying to him, and, and all of a sudden in my mind, Revelation 4 and 5 flashed across my mind, and my heart left at the same time. I thought, throne room, throne room. Revelation 4 and 5, worthy, worthy is the lamb. And I decided, uh, the Lord decided, that I'm going to read this chapter for you in its full. Revelation chapter 5, you want to turn there, you can. You, you don't have to. I just ask, I just ask that, that you would listen. You want to talk about a promise of power? You want to talk about the power of a promise? This is all wrapped up right here. Listen, loved ones, as we read Revelation chapter 5, I want you to look for three things only found in Jesus Christ. I want you to look for his anointing. I want you to look for his authority. And then I want you to see the adoration that comes to him from all who are remotely close to what's happening in this throne room right here. Revelation chapter 5. This will take a couple minutes. It's worth it. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll. And within on the back, a seal of seven seals. Loved ones, the scroll is, I believe the scroll is the title deed for the earth. You could say the scroll is that which allows the plans of God to operate. Only one who is worthy, only one who is worthy to open up, has the authority to open up the title deed for the earth and the very plans of God for the rest of history. Only one who is worthy can open this. If you look at verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, when this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Just imagine who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. Who is worth? Who has the worth-ship? Who is worthy? Verse 3, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. This is a disaster because if no one can open it, then God's plans can't be fulfilled. God's glory again won't be displayed again in the way that he has planned out. But then I began to weep, John says. Weep loudly, I bet you did. Weep loudly because no one was found worthy. No one could open the scroll. We don't have any hope. It's, it's all been lost. We're not going to see this. No one can even look into it. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, weep no more. What a moment that is. Weep no more. Behold the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered conquered on the cross and conquered the grave so he can open the scroll and seven seals being the very son of God himself and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb a lion and a lamb standing as though it had been slain his scars visible with seven horns and seven eyes his omniscience his perfect all-powerful again attributes which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Oh, imagine, imagine. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Oh, loved ones, this is why we pray. It's why we pray. Just look at that. The incense rising up to the Lord, and they sang a new song. Glad are the songs of salvation in the tents of the righteous. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation, proven by this very room right now. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. 
Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The only one this can be said about. To receive power and wealth, wisdom, might, glory, honor, blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, look at every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. That pretty much sums up everything, doesn't it? Saying, listen, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus Christ alone is worthy. Loved ones, Haggai was raised up by the Lord to destroy selfishness and self-indulgence among the people of God. He was raised to bring them hope in the midst of discouragement by the power of his presence. He was raised up to call the people to hate their sin and be cleansed from their polluted hearts and lives. He was called to lift up their sleepy heads, to wake them from their complacency and let them see the power of God and the promise of his son. All of this, all of this, every hope is only found in one, Jesus Christ the Lord. I'm just, I'm, I'm challenging you right now based on everything we've heard, based on everything we exist for in this place, Hope Bible Church, based on everything we're called to do. What is holding you back from worshiping him? Why do you hesitate? Why so weak in worship? Why so casual? Why so lacking passion? Why love so faint? Again, what is holding you back from pressing in to look to Christ and acknowledge there's none like him? What is preventing you from allowing Christ to know from your heart to have a volume of your voice in song and to truly say, you alone are worthy? What is preventing you from telling the world it can't satisfy? What is preventing you from looking at your idol and saying what it is? You're nothing. You're nothing. You're garbage compared to my Savior. What holds you back? Your pride? Why so hesitant? Stop being hesitant. Seek him, love him, sing to him, extol his name, throw away the hesitation. Stop being concerned about people around you. Give him your heart and your life. Tell him he is awesome. You don't think he fulfills that? You don't think he'll change this church in that? You don't think that's his will for our lives? Of course it is. The greatest thing he moves within is that he is worthy and glorious in every heart that joins together. Children today, worship him for the first time truly. Love his name for the first time truly. Men in this place today, love Christ. Lift them up. Raise your hands to the Lord for the first time ever because you surrender to him and you love him. Do it. Do it not to be seen. Do it because your heart is filled with love for Christ. Do it not so people around you might be impressed or awkward. Do it because there's no one else. And the moment he returns, the moment he returns, the moment he returns, everything falls away. Everything falls away. Everything falls away. And the only one, the only one you care for is the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The moment he returns, all of existence, all of eternity is summed up in him. And he says, man, when my bride is ready and my bride is prepared, wow, like wow. I'm telling you too, there's some of you here right now, 
you are not in Jesus Christ. You've never been saved. You've not placed your faith in him. You've not turned from sin. I'm telling you, man, Jesus Christ says, come to me today, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus invites you, come, come you sinners. Come you adulterers. Come you pornographers. Come you, you those who are gluttonous and so lazy. Come you who are living for self. And come, come all sinners to Christ. He'll set you free and save you. He'll forgive all of you. Come now. Don't, don't resist the invitation. You do not know. You do not know if you'll ever hear this invitation again. You don't know what tomorrow will bring, let alone a few weeks from now. You don't know. This may be the only time you ever truly get the invitation of Christ for the gospel right now, right here. Do not waste this moment. Do not waste it. Christ invites you to grace. He invites you to love. He invites you to forgiveness. He invites you to abundant living in him alone. He invites you again and all your sin like mine to totally be washed clean by grace, all in love. You do nothing but believe, and you'll never be the same again, forever saved. Entrance into heaven as a child of God because Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords and the Lamb again who died for our sins. This is who he is, and this is the love he extends to you and I today, and he's coming soon. You better be ready. You better be ready. You do not know if you'll be able to hear this warning again. If you hear his voice, man, read this even this morning. Seek the Lord while he is near. And he is near right now. Seek him. Seek him. Do not wait. The Lord invites you. The Lord invites you. And I pray he calls you. Church, church. Glad, glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. And I pray as much as ever, man, the Lord would, would call us now to respond in song and praise in adoration to the only one who is worthy, the only one who is worthy. Let's pray, church, let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill our lives now, fill our lives. I pray you already have. Change lives, save lives. Sanctify, God, purify, justify. Help us, Lord, help us now, help us now to look up at you. Forget everything, everything that lies behind. We look up straight forward to what lies ahead. Lord, I pray you will wake up. You will wake up this church as much as ever, as much as ever, in song and love and fruitfulness and desire to be used of you. But Lord, it starts here. It starts here. You're coming in power, and the power of your promise is made to us. There's nothing else we need. So I'm so jacked, Lord, that we'd be able to sing right now, so excited that your church would sing as loud as ever. Your church would love you, hands raised, hearts full, surrendered towards you and before you. Maybe so, Lord, maybe so, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together as we do that.